I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Try tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Hello, feisty fans. Uh, good news, bad news. We're going to start with the bad news first. You're stuck with me, Sarah. True. Sarah Gross is on a plane. We're going to get a voicemail from her later, which is part of the good news. The other part of the good news is that I've had this weird twitchy eyeball situation all night. And without a co-host, she doesn't have to be all distracted by my wonky eyeball. So yeah, good news all around. Um, Other than the fact that I have to host this on my own. Let's see what's going on with me. I just got back from Bentonville, Arkansas, where I did get to meet the lovely Catherine in person, uh, fellow feisty-er. And let's, what else? Oh, I came home to this massive box of dried pasta. Now, if you're a longtime listener to this podcast, you'll remember the start of the pandemic. I went a bit bananas buying random bulk items because everything else, uh, like the, I, for example, I couldn't get, uh, wheat flour. So I ended up with chickpea flour and almond flour and it was a bit crazy. Things got weird. So something similar happened a while ago, maybe six weeks ago. (laughs) This is so embarrassing. Um, we went, Grocery shopping. And I noticed the pasta aisle was pretty much empty. And at the middle of the night, probably 2 a.m., I was nursing Hawk and I ordered all of the pasta. But of course, the, the normal pasta wasn't in stock. It was the random pasta, like the, the beet farfalle and, you know, I don't know, like saffron, whatever. And just the weird shapes. So I completely forgot about this. And we came, I got home last night and there's this massive box of weird pasta waiting for me. Part of me is kind of excited because I think some of the shapes are pretty exciting. Um, But there's also part of me that is slightly appalled by the fact that I do weird late night shopping. And it kind of reinforces that there aren't that many good decisions that are made in the middle of the night. Just think about it. Yeah, you're way better off sleeping than going online and buying random stuff or whatever else might happen at 2 a.m. All right. So on this podcast, we're going to have messages. We have, first of all, a message from my lovely co-host, Sarah. We have a couple of voicemails from listeners, and then we're going to wrap up with lessons that I have learned 
from traveling as a triathlete. I will come up with them on the fly. So that's just how we roll in this podcast. You know, you know what we do here. So, uh, all right, let's get on with it. All right. So first off, we have a message from Sarah. All right, Sarah, what do you have to say? Hi, Sarah. It's Sarah here. I am sending you this voice memo with the unfortunate news that I will not be able to make our recording time tonight. I apologize for that. I'm going to be on an airplane, but the reason is that I um, got my, I don't know if you remember, but I had an issue with my rental property that I was hoping to sell with it flooding. And Rosie and I have been living in it for the last couple months. So we finally got this place ready and it's going on the market tomorrow. Uh, And so I hope our listeners will understand. And oh, and also I should say I'm flying away from here because I can't possibly put a house on the market and then like keep it clean. Like that just feels like the impossible ask for me. And of course, and my 11 year old daughter more like, so instead of doing that, I'm just going to fly to Calgary where my partner lives and spend a few days there and, um, fingers crossed everybody see what happens with the sale of the property. So yes, if all of our listeners could send me some good vibes about the sale of this property, I would uh, love it because I feel like there's been a little bit of bad luck with it. Not, you know, nothing terrible, but it's part of home ownership, but, um, I would appreciate that. So Sarah, what I'm going to leave you with is a couple of gifts, uh, two specifically two voice memos from listeners. So, uh, that's amazing. You can, um, hopefully listen to those and I'm hoping that next week we can continue the conversation, um, about what we would do if we had a million dollars to spend in the sport of triathlon. Um, I love this for a couple of reasons that I've been thinking about it too. So I'm, I'm actually excited to talk to you about it next week and to hear what everyone else has to say too. Uh, but I, it's an interesting question. How would we make our, would we make our sport better? Or then like the, the real question for me, of course, because I'm like entrepreneur, person learning about business. It's like, how do we invest money into the sport that's going to make money back so that we can continue to see the changes that we want to, whatever the changes we want to see uh, in the sport, we can see that coming back to us again and, and repeatable and create a cycle of money coming in and out, <laughs> i.e. actually run a business and make a difference. So that is what I'm hoping everyone's thinking about. And if you have thought about it, send us a voice memo to Sarah with no H at livefeisty.com. We may have a new way of sending voice memos coming down the pike, but I think for this week, let's stick with that because I'd love to hear more of those voice memos. Um, the other thing is that if we do, when we do sell the townhouse, uh, Sarah, we will have to leave our cat behind. I was very sad this morning. Our cat, <laughs> you love, I love how I'm using possessive pronouns now with the, the cat, with, with the neighbor's cat. <laughs> this has gone too far. This is a sign it's gone too far. The possessive pronouns over the edge. Um, so the poor cat who we, who I asked the kids who live next door and they said that the cat's name is Jackie. So we now know the name of the cat. And, uh, and Jackie was meowing full tilt outside of my, 
our backsliding door this morning and I couldn't let her in because I had had a, I just paid a cleaner to clean the whole place and I was not letting the cat in. So it broke my heart. But then Jackie, as it turns out, she's quite, uh, what do you call it? She's a smart little feline. And I was upstairs um, sweeping off the balcony, the upstairs balcony, and I left the door open. And, and then I went downstairs out the front door to clean something else. I don't know what. And Jackie comes wandering out the front door. So she must have jumped like up a one story onto our roof somehow, got up there, came inside <laughs> the townhouse, and then was like smirking as she came out the front door like, I got in anyway. It doesn't matter. You don't have to let me in. I got in. So, um, yes, that is my cat update and my life update. And, um, yeah, I hope that you have fun with these voice memos and I will very much look forward to talking to you next week. All right. First of all, yes. Good juju. Good vibes all your way, Sarah. We really want the house sale to go well. I, I don't think you covered where you're going to be living when you get back from your trip to Calgary, but you seem pretty flexible. Um, maybe you can just figure out what Jackie, the cat does like, you know, follow her lead where the open windows just go crashing in your neighbor's places. Yeah. I hope you have some place to stay. Huh? This is, this is, this is, this is a really important question, but we hope you sell it. It's totally legitimate. You're on a plane. You can't talk to me right now. I, I do have questions about, the name of Jackie for a cat, but we're not going to, we're not going to discuss this on this podcast. We can dig into it another time. Um, thank you for the message. And yeah, we'll, we'll check in with you next week. And we definitely want to know what you think you would do for a million dollars. You may, you bring up a really good point. You know, if you're talking about trying to make something sustainable long-term, have it be, know, business oriented instead of just throwing money out there in terms of charity. How do you get good return on that million dollars? You know, that the, the end of the day where we have to ask what the goals are for this hypothetical million dollars, what we, what we want to achieve with it and work backwards from there. Uh, I'll, I'll put my thinking cap on. And if anybody has voicemails, ideas that they would how they would use a million dollars for the sport of triathlon instead of what they would do with it you know paying off mortgage and student loans and health insurance and you could easily blow through that now i'm getting a little too practical yeah sure spend it on things like triathlon instead of life stuff anyway ah you could tell where my head is um all right. So we have another voicemail. This is quite exciting. A voicemail from Robin. Hi, Sarah and Sarah. My name is Robin. I live in Santa Monica and I'm an over 60 age grouper. And thank you so much for all the energy you put into your podcast. If I had a million dollars to spend on triathlon, I'd focus on tri- um, age groupers access to pools. And I think we could build pools 
in underserved areas that are just reserved for lap swimming for members of USAT. Thank you. All right. So Robin's been thinking about what she would do with that money. And for anybody who has tried to swim laps in the Santa Monica area, I hear ya. It is not easy. I spent some time trying training there and we just ended up with really weird lap times, uh, lap swim times where it was Santa Monica community college, just midday, uh, every once in a while, but it wasn't on a consistent basis. And then the Culver city plunge, but we would try to, I think it was like five o'clock in the morning, something like that. And you really hope that you get done before you get stuck in bumper to bumper traffic. So yeah, lap lanes for USAT members. That is how Robin would spend her million dollars. Um, I'm curious how that would work. Like, would we just go certain markets, you know, certain urban areas and reserve lanes with that million dollars? I don't know if if you want to fill in the details for us. But yeah, it can be really hard to find places. You know what is where it's harder? I found New York City really hard to find left lanes. I know we have a couple of listeners who live in the city. How the heck do you swim? It seems unbelievably either expensive or difficult to find a pool. Uh, I know there's some pools that it's it's okay getting access, but they're crazy expensive. So yeah, fill me in. Let me know. Maybe maybe that million dollars would go longer longer way, you know, in in New York City than some places uh, in terms of trying to give people access to to pools. All right, another voicemail. We have a voicemail from Jocelyn. Here we go. Hey, Sarah and Sarah. It's Jocelyn. I was just listening to your feminist jibber-jabber episode and wanted to do an rock because talking about some feminism stuff and women supporting women. And this is actually a throwback to... 17-year-old Jocelyn, who was a band nerd in high school. Um, so this was back, I graduated in 1999, so this is the late 90s. I think it was the spring concert that was coming up, and I remember my band director getting excited. He had this great announcement that a local tuxedo rental place was going to outfit all the guys in the band with free tux rentals and the first thing I thought was well that's not fair you're saying that all the guys are gonna get to have a free tux rental but all the girls in the band have to like get their own dresses and why can't the girls get tux rentals too so I brought that up and The band director was pretty stumped that any girls would want to have a tux to wear for our performance. And he kind of uh, pulled me aside after that announcement when I kind of raised my hand and asked, well, what if I want a tux rental? 
And this is the San Francisco Bay Area. <laughs> But he was like, I think we're, we'll be open to having any of you girls get a tux rental. But, you know, people might talk. There might be rumors about you. And I was kind of like, what? What? What's the point? I mean, what does it have to do with anything? Anyway, three of my closest girlfriends decided that they would also raise their hands and say, hey, we don't think it's fair that only guys get a tux rental. And so they all wanted to wear tuxedos with me for the spring concert. And that's what we did. And it was amazing. And I'll never forget that my girlfriends backed me up and we looked awesome. And why should boys be the only ones that got free tuxedo rentals? So that's my little story. And I guess I was always a feminist. The end. Jocelyn, I've... I love this. You got to love a band nerd. I do have one super pressing question. Which instrument was it? Because I really need to put this picture together. Like I'm visualizing you in a tux. That's easy to visualize. But are you playing tuba? Are you playing the oboe? Like I really need to know. Um, I also love the fact that your girlfriends stood up with you for equality. You got to love that. That's amazing. Female solidarity. The one thing I'm not totally sold on is there just seems something a little icky about wearing rental tux. And maybe, maybe I just kind of equate it with like, um, like when you go to the bowling alley and you get those bowling alley shoes And they kind of smell weird and they feel weird. And the entire time, maybe this is just me, the entire time I just visualize the kind of like foot fungi that I can get from bowling shoes. And I think I would just mentally visualize uh, what I could get from a tux and like what people did in the tux and, you know, who wore it before me and did they wear underwear? Yeah. I a very, okay, this is a bit of, no, this is, this is, this is related. Uh, so in, in triathlon, I think it's great to borrow wetsuits and to rent wetsuits. And I've definitely been there. It's been a while, but now that I've had years of experience with a wetsuit, I totally would have a hard time borrowing a wetsuit from somebody knowing that it's probably been peed in. Like when I first started the sport, I wouldn't have known that. Um, maybe I'm just the only human being who pees in the wetsuit when it's really cold uh, because it's mine. Maybe, maybe if you know that it's a rental, you're not going to pee in it because the next person's going to have to deal with that. Yeah. So let me know if you've rented or borrowed a wetsuit recently, does that go through your mind? Am I just a disgusting human being who thinks about bodily functions and foot fungi? Anyway, 
Let's go on. Let's take a little break. The fastest path to living healthier, longer starts inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. It was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. That's quite a list. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live healthier, longer. When I do my Inside Tracker tests, I always use the mobile blood draw service. It's amazing because you can enjoy a premium lab experience in the comfort of your own home or your office. All you have to do is book a time that suits your schedule and they will come to you. The scheduling is easy and they send you text alerts so you'll get appointment updates and notifications when your Inside Tracker health analysis and custom action plan are ready to view. It's great for busy people who want to save time. So if you want to try Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw service and find out what's going on inside your body for your health, go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. As a former pro triathlete who now does very amateur crossfitting for fun and is in perimenopause, meaning I can't count on my hormones to be consistent anymore, one of my main limitations is the speed at which I build muscle. It just doesn't come easily for me. I wanted to make sure I am actually getting the benefits of the little time I do have to work out. That's why Amino Co's Perform is the perfect product for me. It tastes good and I just sip on it before and during my workouts. The AminoCo's Perform formula has clean ingredients and is great for your everyday routine to help give your body the fuel it needs to perform at its best and recover faster and stronger from workouts. What's even better is that AminoCo's Perform was created by former Harvard professor and world-renowned clinical researcher Dr. Wolf. As a competitive athlete, Dr. Wolf has completed 62 marathons in under 2.30 whoa, and is still fueling his body with Perform at age 75. So if you are looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting your peak athletic performance, I recommend you give Perform a try. It's scientifically three times more effective on a gram-for-gram basis than any other protein source. To try it yourself and get 30% off, Use the code RIDING, R-I-D-I-N-G, when you visit aminoco.com forward slash riding. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com forward slash riding. Let's talk about Orca for a minute. In 2018, Orca approached me at the Ironman World Championships in Kona and said, hey, we love what you are doing and we want to support women better. So we are designing products specifically for women rather than just, you know, shrinking the men's products. And we want your help. That's me, Sarah, and Feisty Media. 
that they were asking for help from. Not only that, but I personally find that my Orca wetsuit is the best I've ever had for flexibility and buoyancy, and I definitely wish I had found it when I was racing pro. Fast forward four years, and Orca has launched their new triathlon wetsuits and other gear designed specifically for women. I'm so proud to have been part of this process. So you can order your very own wetsuit and other fab products for 15% off using the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. That's IRONWOMEN, the name of one of our amazing triathlon podcasts, IRONWOMEN1515 at orca.com. All right. So I'm calling this non-reoccurring segment because I'm coming up with this on the fly. Uh, lessons that I've learned from traveling as a triathlete. So yesterday I flew from Arkansas and then to Boston and then drove from Boston to New Hampshire. And it was me, the baby, some luggage car seat, couple carry-ons, you know, standard, no bike. And it occurred to me, all right, so it's kind of hectic having a squirming, screaming baby, but it's actually way easier not traveling with a bike. And this is, this is, I'm not saying that it's easier to travel with a baby than it is with a bike. But I am going to say 100% that traveling as a triathlete has prepared me for what you need to go through the airport. Just like the number of times where I've been off to races or training camps, I've traveled with two bikes and a bike, uh, a wheel bag and a huge duffel bag and a carry on. And it's just absolute utter chaos and I'm dripping with sweat and it's super stressful. I have to say compared to that, you know, the crabby baby, it's not that bad. I was able to, to handle things pretty well. And I feel like traveling as a triathlete actually prepared me for yesterday pretty well. It would have been miserable if I had a bike. I didn't have a bike with me. So thanks for that. Uh, and I kind of have been excited for trip someday where I don't travel with a bike, which is, you know, I, I'm going to be racing this summer. I'm going to have more trips with a bike, but in my future, it's going to be kind of great just having baggage. Anyway, number two, what is my number two? Um, oh, so I have learned cause I've done these training camps and, you know, I, over the course of a couple months, you start stockpile some food. I've gotten really good at minimizing food waste. So I can kind of time when I'm going to leave, what I need to eat, and throw away the bare minimum. And I'm kind of proud of that. That's that's kind of one of those skills where I don't know how much I'm going to use it in the future. I definitely can't, you know, put it on a job resume or something, but that's, I feel like, you know, that's something that I learned traveling as a triathlete. That is a genuine skill. This past time I didn't do as good of a job as I normally do. And I felt a little bit of shame about it, uh, mainly because the fridge broke 
and I had to throw stuff out because I didn't have a fridge for the last couple of days. All right. Number three, I've learned how to be really adaptable to new places. So generally I find it takes me maybe a week. Uh, I do, I do quite a bit of research beforehand, you know, where I'm going, where's the pool, where are places to run. It takes me a week to feel comfortable. The first week I need to get, you know, the feel for a place, how, you know, where's the good grocery store, things like that. But then after the first week, I am super cozy, pretty much anywhere. I feel at home. It doesn't take much for me. And that's definitely something that I have learned through a lot of travel. Again, what do I do with this skill in life? I don't know. Um, but I, I think, you know, traveling as a triathlete has taught me to just kind of go with the flow. You don't need much in terms of uh, like, I need to know where to exercise and I know need to know where to get food. And that's pretty much it. And kind of along those lines, my fourth thing that I've learned is that you really don't need that much stuff. One of the things that always boggles my mind is, you know, we'll, we'll leave for a while, a couple months. I, I do overpack. I will confess I overpack. Uh, I bring way too much stuff. And, you know, now that it's two of us and a dog and a kid, like we definitely way too much stuff. Uh, but we get down there and we're like, oh, we didn't actually need these things. And you realize what you, as long as you have a washing machine, obviously, like what you, you need on a day-to-day basis for extended period of time, not that much stuff. So by the time we get home, you are like, we're totally overwhelmed by how much junk we have in our house. We, we could easily take a dumpster and just start throwing stuff in there. We don't need the vast majority of this. Um, so I'm not saying we're minimalist, but yeah, once you travel, you realize, okay, I have a few pairs of everything I need and everything else. Maybe, maybe I need to consider just buying a lot less. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I think downsizing our house would probably be okay until we have a teenager and then I would regret that decision. All right. My last, oh, this one's actually probably not a good thing. I have learned traveling as a triathlete that I have no shame about being a total scrub in the airport. So you hear these stories of, you know, the, the golden age of, of air travel when they actually served, you know, good food and wine and you were treated well and people looked nice on planes. Like I am the antithesis of that. Um, I, I am not the person, you know, the lady with the pearls and the whatever. Like I wear t-shirts and sweatpants all the time. Uh, I don't change that when I fly, but then you kind of add this layer of do you, okay. About five minutes ago, I was talking about the fact that I'm carrying all this luggage to the airport. I'm sweating profusely. So I end up just sweaty and gross. And there's a good chance I haven't showered that day. And I've probably spilled multiple things on me. 
And I just have no shame about looking absolutely disgusting. Like I, I am at my lowest point when I travel and I should feel bad about that, but I don't. So yesterday, uh, you know, the baby peed on me, not once, but twice. Uh, he puked up all over me. Like I definitely had like the nervous sweats. So I just, I was disgusting. So of course I didn't think to bring a change of clothes for me. I had, you know, two changes of clothes for the baby, but nothing for me. Um, so that was an oversight that I'll correct for next time. But you know what? I was, I was kind of okay with it. And I'm sure the people around me were really grossed out. But for me, travel, it's just getting from point A to point B. I'm never going to see these people again. Hopefully not. And I'm sure they judged me. But I really, really couldn't care less because, you know what? Life's too short. All right. So that wraps up another very rambling, weird episode of If We Were Writing. I hope everyone has a great week and we all hope that you sell your townhouse, Sarah. None of you people can tell me to stop My town, my crown We know what it takes to be reaching the top We reaching the top We reaching the top We know what it takes to be reaching the top